Hey guys, this is Ben Taylor with Raw Motivations on this platform as a self-aware narcissist to provide awareness about what narcissism is and to help other people find growth, healing, and change. What I want to talk to you today is the concept and the thought of manufactured emotions. And you might be kind of wondering where we're going with this, but like where the narcissist, where the psychopath, the sociopath, the toxic person manufactures your emotions, manufactures and grooms how you're responding. This might happen in the way of like jealousy. And that's one of the ones that I want to talk to you about today to be able to see, did your narcissist make you feel jealous? Did they make you feel like you were overreacting? Like you were over responding to something that they're like, it's just a small thing. Like what's the problem? And a lot of times a narcissist, a toxic person will use this type of a tactic to be able to manufacture something that's not there, to be able to provoke something inside you that's actually not there. So I'm looking at the one book again, we've been talking through it some called Psychopath Free and it's got a section called Manufactured Emotions. And I want to tell you, I want to read a little bit to you. During a relationship, you're likely to experience a range of emotions that you've never felt before. Extreme jealousy, neediness, rage, anxiety, and paranoia. After every outburst, you commonly think to yourself, if only I'd behaved, if only I hadn't behaved that way, then maybe they'd be happier with you. Think again. Those were not your emotions. I repeat, those were not your emotions. They were carefully manufactured by the psychopath in order to make you question your own good nature. Victims are often prone to believe that they can understand, forgive, and absorb all the problems in the relationship. Essentially, they checkmate themselves by constantly trying to rationalize the abuser's completely irrational behavior. Did that happen to you where you were in the relationship and you were trying to rationalize? You are trying to like fix the different aspects in the behavior and it just didn't happen. And you kept thinking, maybe if I do something different, maybe if I do, maybe if I change how I communicate, maybe if I change how I saw them, maybe if I changed like what I said, what I did, all these different types of things, that'd be different. A lot of times when I talk to people on one-on-ones, they think through that and they, and they exemplify that by saying like, maybe I should have loved them better. Maybe I could have, and they start thinking all these things of like what it could have been, what I could have done to be able to fix the relationship. The problem is, you couldn't have, because it wasn't just you in the relationship. There was another person that was in that relationship manipulating it, but oftentimes you don't realize it. So I want to give you two examples, and these examples are really good. That's why I'm using the book, not me. (laughs) These examples are really good. All right, so most people would agree that jealousy is toxic in a relationship. But there's a huge difference between true jealousy and the psychopath's manufactured jealousy. That's helping you manufacture your own jealousy, okay? So take a, take a look at the following two exaggerated conversations. They're exaggerated, but bear with me. All right, so case one, really quick and simple. Boyfriend says, hey, my old high school friend is coming into town. I'd like you to meet her. The girlfriend says, no. Why do you need other female friends? You have me. Alright, so very short. It says, in this case, the girlfriend truly seems to have some jealousy issues that need to be addressed. Assuming the boyfriend has an abuser in the past, this is an inappropriate display of jealousy. Okay? Case two, what I want you to hear here, because this is where this is what you've experienced several times. This is what's actually going on. The boyfriend says, My ex is coming into town, you know, the crazy abusive one that's still completely obsessed with me. Girlfriend, oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Boyfriend says, we're probably going to meet up later for drinks. She always hits on me when she drinks. Wait, I'm confused. Could we talk about this in person? Uh, you have a problem with it? Nope, no problem. I guess I was just a little confused since she said she abused you, but I hope things go well. 
It's nice when exes are able to be friends. Wow, you're so jealous sometimes. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be jealous. I was just confused at first. You know, your jealousy is ruining our relationship and creating so much unnecessary drama. I'm sorry, we don't have to talk about it in person. I really didn't mean to come across that way. It's fine, I forgive you. We'll just have to work through your jealousy issues later. That conversation, even though poorly read by me in both parts, but that conversation might be triggering to some of you. Because that conversation might be very, very similar to what you experienced. And in the moment, you don't really realize what's happening. So let's break it down. In this case, the psychopath did three things. One, he put his girlfriend in an impossible situation that would make any human being jealous, especially after talking about how much his ex loves him. Number two, accused her of being jealous even though she tried to respond reasonably. And number three, played good cop by offering to forgive her for a problem that he created in the first place. This places him in his favorite role of teacher versus student. You see, the longer this abuse occurs, the more she'll begin to wonder if she actually has a jealousy problem. And it's not just limited to jealousy. It's a lot of other things. Perhaps you begin to feel needy and clingy during the relationship. Again, it's all manufactured. So again, that's part from the book um, Psychopath Free. And so it's really crazy because when you think about it, like how that was broken down was what I'm going to be able to like describe to you and have you understand that there's so many times you're feeling certain things, you're experiencing certain emotions in the relationship that aren't actually yours, that aren't actually caused by you. And so like in this illustration of like jealousy, it's like the idea of like you, the narcissist puts you in an impossible situation where there's really almost no other way to be able to react because they're fabricating, they're making the story lead a certain direction that's going to lead you to the place of being jealous, being needy, being clingy. And like, they're like, wait a second, like you have a problem with this? Then they're gonna turn it back on you. Like he's the one that brought it up and then accused her of getting frustrated of what he brought up. This is where you see in a lot of times cheating relationships where the, the narcissist, the toxic person either is found out or brings up like, hey, I've been cheating on you. And then they get upset and they're like, why are you upset at me? Like they twist it back around so often that you feel bad for having emotions. You feel bad for sharing your feelings. And that third one that you played the good cop by offering to forgive her for a problem that he created in the first place. Narcissists are master manipulators at being able to do this. Being able to manufacture, construct, put in a problem, see you react to it, and then be upset at you for reacting to the problem that they created. Sometimes it's hard for people to see that. Sometimes it's hard for them to understand that. So when I walk people through things with like one-on-ones and talking through, sometimes I'm asking them specific questions about the relationship, about the arguments, about apology, like all these different types of things to try to understand what they're actually seeing. Because sometimes people aren't seeing the actual truth of the situation. And they're thinking, it was my fault. I could have done better. I should have said something more. I should have responded a certain way. And they start wondering, they start doubting themselves. They start doubting what they're thinking, what they're feeling, because it's manufactured. It's manufactured. They have another case here. 
Once again, I would agree that the neediness is toxic in a relationship, but there's a huge difference between true neediness and manufactured neediness. So case one, girlfriend says, hey, I won't be around tonight because my grandmother wants to get dinner. Sorry. Boyfriend, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in three hours. This is getting ridiculous. You better text me the entire time. Okay, in this case, the boyfriend truly seems to have some neediness issues that need to be addressed. Assuming the girlfriend hasn't abused him in the past, this is an inappropriate display of neediness. Okay, case one. Case two, boyfriend says, Hi, I haven't heard from you in three days. Just want to make sure you're doing okay. Gosh, I have a life outside of you, you know. Boyfriend says, I know. I was just sort of confused because I'm used to hearing from you each morning. (laughs) You're so needy. I have important things to do, and I can't just drop everything to text you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound needy. It was the first text I've sent in three days. I can't deal with this. I've never met someone so needy in my life. Boyfriend says, I'm really sorry. I won't bother you again. Girlfriend says, it's fine. I forgive you. We'll just have to work through your neediness issues. Now, I know those are very like similar, but I wanted to give it another example from the neediness side. Okay? So again, three things that happen. She put her boyfriend in an impossible situation that would make any human being needy, especially after the constant attention and the idealization phase, where there's constant communication and all of a sudden drops off and then everybody reaches out. They're like, why are you being so needy? Well, because you were texting me and talking to me 24-7 and now it's seven days before I even hear from you. It happens all the time. Two, she accused him of being needy even though he tried to respond reasonably. The narcissist will accuse you of something that you're not doing. One to put you on the defensive and one to make you feel bad. One to confuse you. Like all these different types of things. And number three, she played good cop by offering to forgive him for a problem she created in the first place. Again, puts her in that position of teacher versus student. How many times did this happen to you? Question would be how many times did this happen to you and you didn't even realize it? But now looking back on the previous relationship, looking back on the previous things that you've been through, you're like, wait a second, I actually see that now. I actually see and remember this time where this happened and this happened and this happened. And a lot of times people see it in the neediest aspect of that constant communication, the idealization phase, the love bombing, everything that happens at the beginning of the relationship. And it gets so far and then all of a sudden it tapers off and fades away. And you're like, wait a second, maybe I changed. Let me try harder. Let me work harder. And sometimes that cognitive dissonance or that hope or that potential of trying to get back to the beginning starts people off in a trauma bond. And then they're stuck thinking, hey, this is toxic. I don't need to be here. But they keep going back. That's why I work with people every single day. To try to keep them from going back and try to help them rewire their minds so they don't get pulled back. Because it happens all the time. Oftentimes a person will go back to their abuser seven times before they even get out, before they even get free. Don't make that you. Get out and get free.